So last week we concluded our series, Christian, talking about grace and truth. And um, it, it was a challenging message. It was a challenging series. If I'm being honest, it was challenging for myself. Uh, but it was so good. Today we are jumping back into our Romans series. Uh, if, if you are uh, our guest today or if you're newer to Anchor, we've been walking verse by verse through the book of Romans since 1973. And um, just kidding. Um, We've been walking through the, uh, verse by verse through the book of Romans for about a year and a half, and um, I mean off and on, but it's been, it's been really good, um, and today we're hopping back into that, but before I dive into any scripture, I wanted to share uh, a story with you. So uh, when I was 14 years old, I met a youth pastor named Mike. Now, Mike was an incredible guy. He's really fun, and he was really life-giving. If you don't know what that means to be life-giving, it's just like... Every time you were around the guy, you felt better. You felt better about yourself. You felt better about your outlook on life. Like he's just, he like raised everybody's spirits. He was awesome. He was an incredible guy. And when I was 18 years old um, and I gave my life to the Lord, Mike became one of my mentors. And he was instrumental in helping me learn what it meant to follow Jesus. And, um, and I, I love Mike to this day. Like, I mean, if, if, I mean, I haven't talked to him in years, but if I was to ever come across him, we'd be able to pick up where we left off and, and just share good memories and, and encourage one another and all that is great. Mike is awesome. Um, well, here's the thing about Mike, though. When he was a youth pastor at this church that I, I got saved at and grew up in, you either really loved Mike or you hated Mike. I mean, this is true. She knows Mike. Robin knows Mike. So she knows what I'm saying is true. You either loved Mike or you hated Mike. And those who, f who loved Mike, they felt that way because Mike loved them so well. Mike added value to them. He made them feel like they mattered every time he interacted with them. And those who hated Mike, they hated Mike because they didn't like his methods of reaching people. Um, there were so many parents, church attenders, um, who who saw Mike's ministry methods as like borderline sinful. And some of the things he would do and say, like they, it made them question, does this guy know Jesus at all? Because it was just so different from, from what they were used to or what they thought a pastor should be or that kind of thing. Um, but, but Mike's ministry philosophy was that people could sense fake. And if people sensed inauthenticity, then, um, then the, the window to reach them would slam shut. So he adopted like this, I'm going to be real all the time. I'm going to be incredibly raw all the time because that's what people connect with. And so um, that, that rubbed some people inside the church the wrong way. And people really had a problem with it because they didn't... They didn't um, they didn't expect that from a believer, right, let alone a pastor. And so, like, some people loved Mike, some people hated Mike. But I was thinking about that this week, and I was wondering, like, have you ever been in a situation like that or maybe even seen a situation like that where um, the way you live your life as a follower of Jesus ruffles the feathers of other believers? The way you live your life as a follower of Jesus maybe rubs somebody else the wrong way inside the church. That kind of sounds crazy, like, what? But, but that actually does happen. Like the, the, the way my faith is fleshed out is different than the way your faith is fleshed out. And that might cause tension. It might ruffle some feathers. And so um, like, like me, you may have some tattoos, right? I, I, have, I have a few tattoos. Um, but there are some people in the church that 
truly believe that tattoos offend God. And they truly believe that no Christ follower should ever have tattoos. But then there are other people like me who think like tattoo is an art form that God could use to draw people to himself. And then there's a tension there, right? There's this tension. And, and uh, it, like it's, it's unnecessary tension. Or maybe you've noticed something like... Um, There are believers out there who believe that the King James Version of the Bible is the only true Bible, and everything else is counterfeit. Everything else is counterfeit. King James only, and you're not a Christian if you don't read it. But then there are other people like that I happen to agree with that, that know that Scripture is all about the principles within it and doesn't really matter what version you're reading as long as you understand the principles, as long as you get the principles. And so there's a tension between these two groups of believers that King James only or the version doesn't matter as long as you, as long as you understand the principles. And I've actually like seen this debate cause people to throw up their hands in disgust and disengage from faith. You think I, I'm not a Christian because I don't read the King James Version? Fine. You know, like just like I don't know what to do with that. You, like you, you think, you think I'm, I'm not a Christian because I only read King James? I don't, I don't read the New Living Translation or the Meth? Like what? Like leave me alone. You know, like there's these these, these things out there that happen, situations like this happen a lot. What are we supposed to do with these things? What are we, how are we supposed to handle these kinds of situations? What are we supposed to do when the way we live our lives causes somebody else confusion? What, what are we supposed to do when the way we live our lives, like, it messes with somebody else's faith? Is that their problem only, or do we have some sort of responsibility to them? That's what I want to talk about today. Is, it our, is, is somebody else's faith our responsibility, or, or is it their problem? That's what I want to talk about today. But before I go any further, let's pray one more time. I love praying. I love talking to the Lord. So let's pray. Let's invite him to be a part of our conversation today. God, we love you. We thank you. Open our hearts to receive your truth today, God. Open our hearts that we would um, know you at a deeper level, and we would know your truth, God. We love you. We give you all the glory. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. If you have a Bible, you can open it up to Romans chapter 14. Romans chapter 14, we're going to start in verse 1, and we're going to go through the entire chapter, so stick with me. It's only 23 verses, but but that can get kind of long, so stick with me. Um, Before I read, I want to give you a little recap. Romans started, the Apostle Paul wrote a letter to the Roman church in the first century AD, and he started by talking about the gospel, the good news of Jesus. And the good news of Jesus was that we are made right in the eyes of God by faith and faith alone. There's nothing we can do to garner faith in the eyes of God other than put our faith in Jesus as the Son of God. That is the good news. But then Paul starts talking about, after that, he starts talking about how humanity since the fall of man has been trapped in a downward spiral of sin and wickedness. And God let us... uh, let us choose that. And he, he kind of let, let, let us to our own like devices. And, and, and so he, he starts talking about, um, Paul goes on through his letter. He starts talking about sanctification. And he starts talking about justification. And he starts talking about all these different things. And he talks about how, um, you know, uh, 
like we're all guilty in the eyes of God because we don't meet God's standard, but, but by the grace of God, like we're made right in his sight and all this stuff, like the wages of sin is death and he's got all these things. And in chapter seven, he talks about how the law is really good and, and, and how the law is, it's like a mirror for us. It shows us how sinful we are. I mean, he's going through all these theological things. He's, he's laying out all sorts of doctrine for us to be able to take. This is how you need to think about your relationship with God is basically what the apostle Paul is saying in chapters 1 through 8 of Romans. And then in chapter 9, it switches from doctrine to practical application. Okay, now that you know how to think about God, this is how you need to live your life. And he starts talking about in chapter 12, he starts talking about true worship is giving your body to God as a sacrifice. Allowing God to do whatever he wants through you is is true worship to him. And then in Romans 13, he talks about submission to authority, which is always a tough conversation. And, And he talks about submitting to governing authorities because God put in place every governing authority And if you rebel against the governing authority, you're actually rebelling against God because he put them in place. It's tough. And then we come to chapter 14. Then we come to chapter 14. And this is what's known as the stumbling block principle. But uh, 14, chapter 1, or uh, verse 1, it says, Accept other believers who are weak in faith and don't argue with them about what they think is right or wrong. To welcome somebody into a church, to welcome somebody into your home group, to welcome somebody into a group of believers only to, like, begin arguing with them, only to, like, create, like, tension and that kind of thing, that is not loving. To, to welcome somebody that you know, like, man, they want to start, they want to start some stuff. They want to start it. They want to stir things up. To welcome somebody like that is not loving. In, in Romans chapter 12, verse 10, the apostle Paul, uh, he, he, he um, charges us, love one another with a genuine love. Love one another with a genuine love and take delight in honoring each other. Welcoming people who try to stir up um, trouble is not genuine love. He says, accept other believers who are weak in faith and don't argue with them about what they think is right or wrong. Verse 2, for instance, one person believes it's all right to eat anything. One person believes it's all right to have tattoos. One person believes it's all right to read any version of the Bible. But another believer with a sensitive conscience will only eat vegetables. Another believer with a sensitive conscience won't have tattoos. Another believer with a sensitive conscience may think the King James is the only version. Those who feel free to eat anything must not look down on those who don't. Those who feel free to have tattoos must not look down on those who don't. I'm using those, ta- those, those examples because I mentioned them earlier, by the way. And, and those who don't eat certain foods must not condemn those who, who do. Those who, who don't read other versions of the Bible, they only read the King James, they must not condemn those who do read other versions. For God has accepted them. Who are you to condemn someone else's servants? Their own master will judge whether they stand or fall. And with the Lord's help, they will stand and receive his approval. So the Apostle Paul addresses two types of believers here. The free mind and the abstainer. And he's saying the one whose mind is free from fears and compulsions might look down on the duller, like weaker um, believer, brother, sister, um, who created self-barriers uh, around their, their self-created laws. Uh, but the abstainer, the other one, is more likely to develop a holier-than-thou attitude that would condemn the other as 
careless. He's, he's talking to these two groups of people. You're the free mind over here. You're the abstainer. Like you think everything's good. You think, you think there's things that you need to like withhold from that keep you in the graces of God. And, and you guys are at odds. And he's saying, he's saying, don't condemn each other. Don't, don't look down on each other. And, and he's already addressed boasting earlier in the letter. And, and he's, he's reiterating it here. We should not boast about anything. Verse 5. In the same way, some think one day is holier than another day, while others think every day is alike. You should each be fully convinced that whichever day you choose is acceptable. This makes me think of Chick-fil-A. So many people, like, give Chick-fil-A a hard time for being closed on Sundays. Sunday is the day Chick-fil-A has chosen to be holy to the Lord. And the Apostle Paul is saying, that's 100% fine. That's like, totally acceptable. If Sunday, you want to, you that's the holy day for you, great. If, Ch- Ch- uh, if Chick-fil-A wants to change their, their day from Sunday to Tuesday, the Apostle Paul is saying, great. That's totally acceptable for you. Whatever day you want to set aside as holy to the Lord, if any, that's fine. Just don't look down on people who don't. If, if you don't hold any other day, any specific day as holy to the Lord, don't condemn people who do. That's what the Apostle Paul said. He's saying, like, leave each other alone. Don't condemn each other, essentially, is what he's saying. Kind of radical stuff. Verse 6, those who worship the Lord on a special day, do it to honor him. Those who eat any kind of food, do so to honor the Lord, since they give thanks to God for, before eating. And those who refuse to eat certain foods also want to please the Lord and give thanks to God. For we don't live for ourselves or die for ourselves. If we live, it's to honor the Lord. If we die, it's to honor the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. Christ died and rose again for this very purpose, to be Lord of both the living and the dead. So why do you condemn another believer? Why do you look down on another believer? Remember, we, we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For the scriptures say, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bend to me and every tongue will declare allegiance to God. Yes, each of us will give a personal account to God. Condemnation and boasting do not benefit anybody who's standing before God as equal. If we are all the same in the eyes of God, we have nothing to, to boast about. There's, I have no reason to condemn anyone if we are all equal in the eyes of God. I don't get like this special privilege because like I'm a pastor and I'm up here like talking from a microphone to you guys. Like I don't get a special privilege in the eyes of God because of that. We are equal in the eyes of God, and we will all be judged equally in the eyes of God. So I have nothing to boast about, and I have nothing to condemn you about because we're all going to be judged the same way one day by what we did. So what gives us the idea that we can condemn anyone or boast about anything? uh, Verse 13, so let's stop condemning each other. Decide instead to live in such a way that you will not cause another believer to stumble and fall. The teaching of this verse expresses the central point of this chapter of Romans. Decide to live your lives in such a way that you will not cause another believer to stumble and fall. All of chapter 14 hinges on this verse. Decide to live in such a way that you will not cause another believer to stumble and fall. Um, 
this also actually references uh, Leviticus 19:14. It says, "Do not insult the deaf or cause the blind to stumble. You must fear. Uh, you must fear your God. I am the Lord." And and earlier in verse 11, the Apostle Paul quoted Isaiah chapter 43, 45, verse 23, and that's twice within a span of a couple verses that um, he quoted the Old Testament. Really quick side note: like that tells me that the Old Testament is not obsolete. The Old Testament um, still matters. The Old Testament actually informs the New Testament, and we need to understand the Old Testament along with the New Testament. Uh, the, the New Testament doesn't expunge everything the Old Testament taught. They, they work together. So that's just a little, little side note um, from me. Verse 14, I know and I am convinced on the authority of the Lord Jesus that no food in and of itself is wrong to eat. But if someone believes it is wrong, then for that person, it is wrong. And if another believer is distressed by what you eat, you are not acting in love if you eat it. It's hard stuff. Don't let your eating ruin uh, someone for whom Christ died. If another believer is distressed by your tattoos, it's sin if you go flaunt your tattoos in front of them. If another believer is distressed by the version of the Bible that you read, it's sin for you if you flaunt that. I mean, uh, that, that might be like a little bit of a stretch, a little bit of a leap, but I think that that's what the principle's saying. If there's something that you're doing that's causing a believer in your life to stumble in their relationship with the Lord, you shouldn't do that thing, even if it's okay for you. Don't let your eating ruin someone for whom Christ died. Then you will not be criticized for doing something you believe is good. Now, really quickly, the Apostle Paul is not talking about moral relativism here. If you don't know what moral relativism is, moral relativism is the belief that there are no absolute truths when it comes to, like, um, rules, right? There, there are no absolute rules to determine when, if something is right or wrong. You have your truth. I have my truth. And they might be different, but they're still true for your, what's true for you is true for you. What's true for me, like, that's what moral relativism Relativism is, he's not talking about that. He's not talking about human behavior. He's talking about ritual cleanness and uncleanness. Am I going to be clean in the presence of God if I do this thing? Am I going to be unclean in the presence of God if I do this thing? That's kind of what he's talking about. He's not talking about moral relativism. Now, there are, are some who would um, read these couple of verses and say, See, I can believe in Jesus and do whatever I think is right. Well, I would, I would take us back to our last series, Christian, where um, like maybe Christians can do whatever they think is right, but a disciple of Jesus knows what it means to be a disciple of Jesus, very clearly defined what a disciple of Jesus is and, and, and how to do that. And to read these verses and understand them to mean I can do whatever I think is right, that's an incredible misunderstanding of these, these scriptures. So anyways, let's keep going. Verse 17, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat or drink. It's not a matter of tattoos or no tattoos. It's not a matter of King James only or any version of the Bible. It's a matter of living a life of goodness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Living a life of goodness according to the standard that God sets. It's not living a life of goodness according to the standard that society sets. It's not living a life of goodness according to the standard that the university sets. It's not living a life of goodness according to the standard that your political party sets. It's not living a life of goodness according to the standard that Hollywood sets. Living a life of goodness according to the standard that God sets. 
That's what the kingdom of God is about. That's what the kingdom of God is. It's living a life of goodness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Verse 18, if you serve Christ with this attitude, you will please God and others will approve of you too. So then let us aim for harmony in the church and try to build each other up. Don't tear apart the work of God over what you eat. Remember, all foods are acceptable, but it is wrong to eat something if it makes another person stumble. It is better not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything else if it might cause another believer to stumble. You may believe there's nothing wrong with what you're doing, but keep it between yourself and God. You may believe there's nothing wrong with what you're doing, but keep it between yourself and God. Don't go post it on Facebook. Don't post it on Instagram. Don't like, don't like advertise it for the world to see. Keep it between yourself and God. It's pretty clear to me. Blessed are those who don't feel guilty for doing something they have decided what is right. Again, this is not moral relativism. This is about ritual cleanness and, and uncleanness. So verse 23, this is the last, the last verse. But if you have doubts about whether or not you should eat something, you are sinning if you go ahead and do it. For you are not following your convictions. If you do anything you believe is not right, you are sinning. So the Apostle Paul is saying that we should welcome everyone and we, shouldn't, we, we should welcome every believer and we shouldn't condemn anyone. We shouldn't condemn anyone. We should have a baseline understanding of what the truth is and then let the Holy Spirit do the work of conviction. It's not on me to do the work of conviction. It's not on you to do the work, work of conviction. It's up to the Holy Spirit to do the work of conviction in my life. It's up to the Holy Spirit to do the work of conviction in your life. And he's saying, my main concern shouldn't be my own comfort. My main concern should be your faith. Your main concern shouldn't be your own comfort. It should be my faith. And, and what is what I'm doing causing you to stumble? Is what you're doing causing me to stumble? That should be the filter through which we see the world. That's what the Apostle Paul is saying. This is a radical mindset shift because it, it takes the focus completely off me and it puts it on everyone else. This chapter of scripture is what's commonly known as the stumbling block principle, right? I, I mentioned that earlier. And I was taught this very early on um, as, a, as a believer that, that I need to be aware of this and, and that kind of thing. Um, is there anything in my life that can cause you to stumble and fall away from the Lord? If there is, I shouldn't do it. Is there anything in your life that could cause me to stumble and fall away from the Lord? If there is, you shouldn't do it. That's what the Apostle Paul is, is encouraging here. And this is what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about the stumbling block principle, but specifically I want to talk about the two sides of the stumbling block principle. I want to talk about the, the two groups of people that the Apostle Paul addresses. And I just mentioned those a few minutes ago. The first side I want to talk about today is the free mind. The free mind. Romans 14 uh, verse 3 it says, those who feel free to eat anything must not look down on those who don't. There are some uh, believers, there are some Christ followers who have very few convictions. And I'm not saying that in a bad way. Um, I'm, I'm saying like you, your mind is free because you understand like what Jesus did and, and on the cross and you understand the grace of God and you understand that it comes by faith and faith alone and that there's nothing that you can do to to bring you out of that faith. As long as, as, long as your trust remains in Jesus, 
You're eternally secure. You understand that. And, and people who un, have, a, have a grasp of that usually have this free mind that it doesn't really matter what I do. It doesn't really matter um, what I, where I go, what I watch, you know, that kind of thing. Like, I am in the grace of Jesus. And if that's you, that's, that's great. But the Apostle Paul is instructing us that we can't just think about ourselves. We can't just worry about what makes me comfortable. We have to think about other people. We have to encourage others in their walk with the Lord. It's, our, it's my responsibility to live in such a way that you're encouraged in your walk with the Lord. It's your responsibility to live your life in such a way that I'm encouraged in my walk with the Lord. And the way we live our lives can affect, can have an effect on someone else's relationship with God. It really can. Um, well, Pastor Ryan, can you give me some examples of present day stumbling block? I, I sure can, because what he's talking about is food, right? Like, and, and that's not really a stumbling block for us today, but it's not necessarily the words, right? It's the principle within the words that matters. And this, is the, this principle is transferable today. So uh, some present-day examples of stumbling blocks. This, this is going to be challenging probably for some of us. Going to step on some toes probably. The first one, drinking alcohol. Is drinking alcohol a sin? Well, according to Scripture, if I drink alcohol in moderation, that's not a sin. There's, there's no, there's no uh, command against that, right? There's, it, just, it just says don't be given to drunkenness. Don't get drunk. The act of, but the act of drinking could, could cause a lot of other people to question your faith question a lot of things. Question like your commitment to God. It could, they could uh, cause other people to, to question your character and that kind of, well, Pastor Ryan, my dad drank. My dad drank and he got really violent when, when he drank. And so like, I just don't think any, any believer should be drinking because if, if any believer drinks, then they're, then they're uh, promoting violence. Like, I mean, I've heard people make that jump before and and for, for people who think that, that, that drinking, having a drink is okay, like, like they, their response is like, well, well, should you be projecting your trauma onto me? Like, you shouldn't be infringing on, on what's okay for me. And, and that's the complete wrong mindset to have. The stumbling block principle says like, okay, Dylan, if you have a problem with drinking and I drink, then I shouldn't drink around you. I, you should not know that I have a drink with dinner or whatever, you know, like um, that, I, I don't by the way, like I don't, you know, if, if you do mess with, I don't, I don't drink ever, but um, like, I'm just using you as an example. Like, that's what the stumbling block principle says. If you have a problem with it, if it's going to cause you to stumble and fall away from the Lord, then I shouldn't do it. I should prefer you over me. That's a stumbling block principle. It's a reality. I'm not saying that it's okay for people to project their stuff onto you, their junk, but it's, it's reality that, that alcohol is a trauma trigger for some people, and, and it could trip those people up. That's a stumbling block. Another one, smoking cigarettes. Ryan, you're, you're stepping on my toe. You're meddling. I'm just trying to be real. I'm trying to trying to keep it, I keep it real or I don't keep it, right? Like, I, I'm just trying to be real. Smoking cigarettes is another stumbling block. It, it's not, smoking cigarettes is not directly addressed in Scripture, so there can be an argument made that it's not a sin, it's okay for me, but, like, this is another thing that still might cause an issue. It still might cause people to question your character and ultimately question God. Well, Pastor Ryan, how could smoking cigarettes cause anybody to question God? Because, 
Smoking cigarettes, there's addiction attached to it. And if God couldn't free me from addiction, can he, can he really free you from, you know, like, it, Dylan, if you smoke, could God, if God didn't free you from addiction, can he, can he free me from addiction? And if he can't free us from addiction, can he, can he free us from sin? Because addiction, according, like, uh, like, compared to sin, like, addiction is, is nothing, right? But the wages of sin is, if he can't free me from addiction, can he even free me from sin? Can he free me from death? Like, I've heard those jumps made. That's, I, this is not, um, I'm not being, like, fantastical or, like, um, I, I'm not, like, going to extremes here. These are, are things that I've actually heard people say. These are stumbling blocks, and these are reasons why they can be stumbling blocks. Another, another one, what we watch. Again, TV and movies aren't necessarily addressed in Scripture, so an argument can be made that, that what we watch doesn't really matter. Like I can, I can probably watch anything and be fine. But if, and if, I'm, if I'm honest with you, this is one that the Holy Spirit's dealing with me on. This, this is one that the Holy Spirit has, has put his finger on in my life. Ryan, you need to reevaluate the things that you watch. You need to reevaluate the things that you let into your mind, the things that you let into your soul. I'm just being honest with you guys. This, this is one that I struggle with, the things that I watch. Because I'm like, what's it going to hurt anybody else? But it could. Well, Pastor Ryan, how do I know, how do I know if what I'm watching is okay or not? Well, I'm going to tell you what I was taught. It's, I think, a good, it's like a general rule of thumb, and I think it's good. If you wouldn't sit down and watch it with your pastor, you probably shouldn't watch it. <laughs> um, and I have a funny story around that, um, one that I want to share with you right now. Um, in 2004, I was a, uh, I was a new Christian, uh, less than a year, and I was developing some really good relationships with guys, with guys my age inside the church that I attended. Um, and one of these guys that I was developing a friendship with, his name is Danny. And Danny just happened to be the um, son of the lead pastor. Um, and Danny was awesome. Uh, Danny was kind of like Mike. He kind of pushed things to the limit, and people kind of questioned, like, does this guy really know Jesus? You know, that kind of thing. Danny was awesome. He, he loves God, and he serves God and all that. But um, so, so Danny had this great idea one day. He's like, hey, we should get some guys together and go to the movies, and we should go watch this movie, Anchorman. It was brand new in theaters. And if you don't know what Anchorman is, you should praise God now, because Anchorman is raunchy and vulgar, and like, does it edify your soul? Not one bit. But like, we're like, yeah, let's go do it, because Will Ferrell was in it, Will Ferrell's really funny, so we're like, yeah, we should go do it. So we, we made plans to go to the movies, and, um, and we showed up at the designated time, at the designated place, and most of us were caught off guard, because Danny showed up with his dad who was the lead pastor, and we're kind of all looking confused, like, like, what's going on? He's like, yeah, I invited my dad to watch the movie with us. And I'm like, oh, no, how is this going to go? And so we, we go into the movie, and we're watching the movie, and, like, we're half laughing because we're like, is it okay to laugh in front of our pa-? Danny's losing his mind laughing, right? Like, he thinks it's hilarious. He's having a great time because he's with his guys. He's with his dad. Like, it's a blast for Danny, but we're all kind of like, Every time a joke is made that's like off color, like we kind of look at Pastor Hoyt and he's just kind of sitting there, just kind of nodding or just not, you know, just he's paying attention, but he's just 
not really doing anything. And so after the movie's over, we go to this restaurant and we get something to eat. And uh, somebody asked, uh, Pastor Gary asked him, like, hey, what'd you think of the movie? And he goes, oh, there were some funny parts. And Danny looks at him and goes, really? Because you didn't laugh once. And, and Pastor Gary's response, I'll never forget it. I'll never forget it. He goes, yeah, it's just really hard for me to laugh at sin. I was like, oh, and all of us kind of just shrunk in, in our seats. And, and I was just like, oh, my gosh, like that, I've never heard that before. And, and Pastor Gary said, I don't ever want to laugh at something that's going to affect my witness for Christ. It's like, sheesh, without saying a word, without saying a word, he set a standard for what a, a disciple of Christ should, should be watching or shouldn't be watching. Without, without condemning a one of us, that's what I mean, without condemning any one of us, he set a standard for how a Christian should, should live their life according to the things they, they watch, the things they, they let in. And I'll never, I'll never forget that. And, and this has nothing to do with, with rules or legalism, right? Um, it has everything to do with my witness for Christ, um, I, again, I don't say this to condemn anyone or make anyone feel bad or, or call, call anyone out. I'm simply, I'm simply presenting a, an alternative mindset. Could I drink alcohol and not get drunk? Yeah, I could. Will it help my witness for Christ? Probably not. Could I smoke cigarettes and be fine? Yeah, I probably could. Will it help my witness for Christ? I don't see how. Could I watch rated R movies and, and uh, TV shows for mature audiences only and be fine in my faith? Yes, I could. Is it going to help my witness for Christ? Probably not. Could I cuss like a sailor anytime I want? Yeah, I could. Is that going to help my witness for Christ? Probably not. And, and that's what this stumbling block principle is about. It's, it's, it's not about legalism. It's about my witness for Christ, and it's about encouraging others in their walk with the Lord. Decide instead to live in such a way that you will not cause another believer to stumble and fall. So that's one aspect of the stumbling block principle, the, the free mind that understands the grace of God, right? The, the other aspect, the other side of the stumbling block principle is what I want to talk about now. It's the abstainer. The abstainer, Roman, the, the second half of Romans 14.3 says, And those who don't eat certain foods must not condemn those who do, for God has accepted them. Um, since the early 1900s in the church world, there's been this thing called the um, holiness movement. And uh, in this, this the, the Pentecostal holiness movement, and this Pentecostal holiness, I'm giving you some church uh, history for just a second, so just bear with me, okay? It's probably going to dry your eyes out and be really boring, but just um, hang with me, okay? Um, the Pentecostal holiness movement, and in short, this movement claims that Christians can achieve perfection now, that Christians can achieve moral perfection here on earth. That's what this movement proclaims, and this movement became so big that many denominations adopted it and, and tried to live in this holiness Christian perfection thing. Um, no matter how unbiblical the teachings can be. Um, 
But there is a belief in denominations today that perfection in the believer is possible through the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, meaning that we, know we, we can actually no longer struggle with sin on earth. That's a thing that people believe. Um, and and they, they try to actually enforce it. They try to actually legislate it in their churches. And I believe... Um, that's an attitude that can be found in the abstainers, right? The, the, the free mind sees the grace of God and is secure in it. The abstainer sees the grace of God and they understand like, man, yeah, I'm accepted by God, but I'm one decision away from being outside of the grace of God. That's how the abstainer sees it. So they, they go, they run away from anything that might look like sin. They run away from anything that might... Um, even cause anyone to question, like, do you love God? And there's nothing wrong with staying as far away from sin as possible. The Apostle Paul actually encourages believer, believers, run away from sin, flee, go in the opposite direction of sin. He encourages us in that, right? There's nothing wrong with abstaining. Where we run into a problem is when we impose our personal convictions on other people. It's not okay for me to drink, so you shouldn't drink either. It's not okay for me to smoke, so you shouldn't smoke either. It's not okay for me to watch rated R movies, so you shouldn't either. You're that much closer to hell if you do. I've heard that. I've heard that. There have been many, many people that have walked away from God because they felt the weight. They felt the oppression. They felt the, the heaviness. They felt the pressure of legalism. Now, um, that's what legalism is. It's, it's legislating morality. Legalism is, is legislating morality, imposing my convictions on you and making you live how I think you should live. Now, for example, example of legalism. If I was to get up here and say, it's sin if you listen to secular music. Secular music being non-Christian music. It's sin if you listen to secular music. That, would cause, that might cause a lot of confusion and, and a lot of questions might rise up from that. Well, Pastor Ryan, can I listen to any secular, secular music? No, hell! Right? Well, Pastor Ryan, what about like oldies from the 1950s and 60s? Mr. Sandman, bring me a dream. Make him the cutest that I've ever seen. Well, that's okay. You know, it's not vulgar. That's, that's okay. Well, when I, when, when I come to a place where I'm deeming what's right and wrong for you, then I take the place of the Holy Spirit in your life. And that's not a road that I want to go down. That's not a road that I think any of us want to go down where you are taking the place of the Holy Spirit in somebody's life. You're taking the place of the Holy Spirit in your spouse's life. You're taking the place of the Holy Spirit in your kid's life. That's not a road we want to go down because when we take the place of God in, in somebody's life, like we become their God. And I don't know about you, but I wouldn't make a very good God. <laughs> like, I, I don't think we should be going down that road. That's, that's extreme, but it's not fantasy. This, this could happen. And that's a stumbling block for people. Here's the thing about abstaining. Abstaining comes from a good place, right? Uh, like wanting to please God and stay far away from sin, but, but the Holy Spirit does not need me to do his work of conviction. The Holy Spirit does not need you to do his work of conviction. It's our job to know the truth, to present the truth, and then we step out of the way and we let the Holy Spirit do his thing. We let the Holy Spirit do the work of the conviction. And the beautiful thing is the Holy Spirit is working on different things all the time in each one of us. He's working on different things in each one of us. When he's working on my thought life, um, 
he might be working on your anger issues, Kim. Not, I'm not saying you have anger issues. I'm just, as an example. And when he's working on your anger issues, like, he might be working on someone else's vulgar language. Like, the Holy Spirit is constantly working on different things in everybody's life, and it's always going to be different. That's the beautiful thing about conviction, right? And when we try to legislate conviction, when we try to legislate what's right and wrong in the eyes of God, like, that never goes well. It's, us, it's, it's up to us to remind each other of truth and then get out of the way and allow the Holy Spirit to do his work. Uh, when I was in Master's Commission, uh, I learned what it means to abstain. Now, if you don't know what Master's Commission is, you never heard me talk about it. Master's Commission is a discipleship program for young adults uh, to help them grow in their relationship with God. Um, and I knew what it meant to abstain. We had these guidelines uh, that might seem crazy to some, some people. Uh, we weren't allowed to date couldn't watch rated R movies, couldn't listen to secular music, had an 11 o'clock curfew. Uh, what else? Um, we couldn't drink. We couldn't smoke. And all that seems really, 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 really restricting, but it created this atmosphere where we couldn't really do anything else but, like, engage God and grow in our relationship with the Lord. And so, like, a lot of the people who do master's commission, who go through master's commission, they see this radical change in their relationship with God and they see incredible growth. And I've seen many master's commission students experience this growth and then like, I want, I want my family to experience this. I want my friends to experience this. So you know what? They shouldn't watch rated R movies either. They shouldn't listen to secular music either. They shouldn't drink either. They shouldn't smoke either. Like, they, you see the growth, you see how good life can be without those things, and you're like, man, I just want you to experience this, and so then you try to legislate your convictions onto somebody else, and again, that never goes well. It never goes well. Only those Master's Commission students signed up to, to, to be underneath those guidelines. Their families didn't, their friends didn't, but they're trying to legislate it, and it just, again, never goes well. I say this to make the point that uh, just because abstaining may be good for you, just because it may help you, doesn't mean it's going to help another believer. You shouldn't condemn anyone else. doesn't mean it's right for them. So those are the two aspects that I wanted to talk about today. The free mind that, that sees you know, the, the grace of God and, and understands the grace of God that, that is not bound in their mind by the laws of man and then the abstainer who's willing to go above and beyond to honor God with their life. Neither is right or wrong. Neither is right, as, or right or wrong as long as what you're doing is to honor the Lord. Neither is right or wrong. And the Apostle Paul is saying, just accept each other. Stop condemning each other. The world is hard enough. The world's difficult enough without you guys like bringing each other down too. Accept one another. Don't condemn one another. The heart behind this chapter of Romans, the, the lesson that you and I need to learn is that we need to do our best to love one another genuinely and, and encourage each other along the way. Again, the world is difficult enough without us putting unnecessary standards on each other. Accept one another and don't argue with them about what they think is right and wrong. This is a charge from the Apostle Paul from verse 1. It's not my job to monitor what's acceptable in God's eyes for somebody else. It's not your job to monitor what's acceptable in God's eyes for somebody else. Accept each other and don't condemn. What if we stop concerning, uh, worship team, you can come, come to the platform.
what if we stop concerning ourselves with what everyone else is doing and we focus more on like, what can I do to please the Lord with my life? How would life be different if that's the mindset we adopted? I'm not going to be concerned with what Logan's doing. I'm going to worry about me. I'm not going to worry about the speck in Logan's eye. I'm going to worry about the, the plank in my eye. How different would life be if we stopped condemning each other, we started accepting one another? How much more could we accomplish? What if we stopped condemning each other and decided instead to live in such a way that we wouldn't cause other believers to stumble and fall? What if? Let me pray for you this morning. God, we love you. We thank you um, for your truth. We thank you um, for this challenge today. I was challenged today. And, and Holy Spirit, I don't know exactly what you want to do in each and every one of us, but you have a plan and you know where you want to lead us. And so I pray today, God, that we would be sensitive to your Holy Spirit. We would be sensitive to your leading today, God, that we would be willing to listen. We would be willing to obey when you, when you say go. We would be willing to obey when you say stop. We would be willing to obey whatever you say. God, when it comes to this stumbling block principle, teach us how to prefer others over our own comfort, how to prefer others' faith, others' walk with the Lord above our own comfort. God, thank you. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. This is what I want to do right now. We're going to take a moment and we're going to respond. I want to, I want to um, encourage you, don't rush through this moment. We're, we're not dismissed just yet. What we're going to do, the worship team is going to take a few minutes to just lead us in a song. And I want to encourage you, allow the Holy Spirit to do work in you. Whatever, whatever he's doing, if, he's, if you need to sit and meditate and, and try to hear from God in this moment, do that. If you need to pray, do that. If you need to, if you want to sing with the worship team, you can do that. However you need to respond to the Lord today, take just a few minutes that we're going to have right now and let's, let's do that. You can sit, you can stand, um, but let's not rush through this moment. Let's not miss what the Holy Spirit wants to do inside of us today. Um, you can stand if you'd like, uh, but worship team, lead us this morning. God's not trying to bog you down. He's not trying to um, suck the fun out of life. He's trying to make sure that we make it. He's trying to make sure that, that our faith stays strong, that we, that we grow in our faith. He's not trying to make life less fun. That's what I have to keep reminding myself of. He's not trying to take the pleasure out of life. He's trying to make sure that we all make it together. It's not just about me, it's about us. I have a few next steps that I wanna go through uh, really quickly um, before we were dismissed. And these next steps are just tangible things that we can do, that we can do to take the message and, and begin to apply them to our life this week. First one is this week I will memorize Romans 14, 13. Remember that entire chapter hinged on that one verse. 
Let's stop condemning each other. Decide instead to live in such a way that you will not cause another believer to stumble and fall. And that leads me into our second next step. This week, I'll evaluate whether or not I'm a, I'm a stumbling block. Um, this, this next step is probably going to be a difficult one because it means that you have to have, you have to be honest with yourself and, and maybe even have some honest conversations with some people in your life. Am I a stumbling block for you in your faith? It's a tough one, but I think it's necessary for us to do. And then the third one, this week I'll invite someone to join me at Anchor. Um, God's doing some cool things here and we want people to be a part of it. So, um, yeah, I just want to encourage you, extend an invitation to somebody because sometimes people are just waiting for an invitation. They, maybe they want to join you. They're just, they're just waiting for an invitation. So, um, yeah, I want to challenge you in that area. Uh, let me pray one last time and then we can be dismissed. God, we love you. We thank you for this, this word today. We just ask God that you would give us the grace to be able to learn how to, how to implement this principle. You'd give us the grace to how to navigate it. This is difficult because it, it's a mindset change. But God, with the grace of your Holy Spirit, we can, we can do it. And finally, peace be to you, brothers and sisters, and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with you who love our Lord Jesus Christ with incorruptible love. Amen. Amen. Thanks for being here today. Thanks for joining us, worshiping with us. Have a great day. We will see you next week.